All right, good morning, good morning, everybody. If you want to start to make your way to your seats, good morning. It's so nice to see you guys on this nice and rainy day. Happy Palm Sunday. And if you're watching online, happy Palm Sunday and welcome to church. We are so happy that you're joining us this way. If you are new, it's your first time tuning in, we'd love for you to drop your name in the comments so we can give you a good welcome. Otherwise, let's get started in our service. So for, for starters, let's make sure that everyone is keeping our mask on so we can be as honoring to our neighbor as possible. And then as you want, we're gonna stand up for the lectionary this morning. So if you would stand, and if you're at home, we'd love to put our body to our theology. If you would stand with us as well, it's a great way just to usher your mind into reverence. So if you want to just like, just shake the morning off, right? Getting your kids ready, trying to find that shoe, your keys, all of the things. Let's just take a deep breath this morning. Let's just begin to steal our minds a little bit. And if you would with me, we're going to read from Psalm 118. And it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind, uh, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I give you thanks. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. And so, dear God, we thank you for sending your son and paving the way for our lives to be set free through Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you for what this day, Palm Sunday, stands for. The beginning of Holy Week and the start of a journey towards the power of the cross the victory of resurrection and the rich truth of Jesus, that he is truly the King of Kings. And so this morning, Lord, our hearts cry out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God, we give you praise and honor for your ways are righteous and true. We give you worship for you are holy and just. We will declare that your love stands firm forever and your loving kindness endures. We thank you that your ways are far greater than our ways and your thoughts deeper than our thoughts. We thank you that you had a plan to redeem us and that you make all things new. Thank you that your face shines towards the righteous and that you hear our prayers and you know our hearts. Help us to stay strong and true to you. 
This morning, God, as we worship you, save us from empty praise, from superficiality, from following the crowd. Save us from ourselves. Lord, help us to not only follow the voice of you, but to press in closer to you and to hear your whispers and to seek after you alone. We praise you. We bless your name. We thank you that you reign supreme and that you are more than a conqueror and we are more than conquerors through Christ. And so God, we just give you all of the glory that you deserve this morning. Lord, we just leave everything at the altar this morning and we give you our highest praise because you are worthy and you are good. In your holy name we pray, amen. If you'll join me as we pray and do prayers to the people. We pray for the Universal Church, its members and its mission. We pray specifically for Saudi Arabia where conversion to faith is punishable by death. That is a weight that we cannot fathom. But God, we, we step in and we intercede and I just pray that there would be a spirit of encouragement for every believer in Saudi Arabia. God, I pray that the faith you being God and King would spread like wildfire, that it would be uncontainable and uncontrollable. We pray that you would just encourage and love on specifically the believers in Saudi Arabia. We pray that their leaders would come to know your name. We pray that death would no longer be a consequence. Thank you that you are near to the brokenhearted. I thank you that you are near to those that are suffering. So God, would you bring comfort and peace to every one of their homes and that your light would break through the darkness and that people would come to know you as Lord and Savior, King of Kings. We thank you that there is the promise that every knee will bow that there will be no nation nor tongue that will not know you and proclaim you as Lord. And we step into that with our brothers and sisters in Saudi Arabia. Lord, have mercy. Lord, hear our prayers. You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. calling, you hear us calling, I'm a father. Those in it, we pray for the 130 killed in Niger just a week ago. We pray that you would be with the families as they mourn the loss of mothers and fathers and children and grandparents. We pray that you would bring a peace to a land that only knows so much turmoil right now. We thank you that you came to conquer death. We thank you that death does not have the final say. And so God, would you come and allow peace to reign? Would your heaven touch this earth, this part of earth in Niger, Africa? 
pray for the Muslims in China who are being persecuted with unfair enslaved labors, labor laws. God, we pray that you would set them free and that in being set free from persecution, they would come to know your name that you would show up to this group of people that is being persecuted and that you would show up in dreams and that you would show up in the church in the way that they love and that their hearts would be turned towards you. We fight for the freedom of all. And we pray in, in fighting for their freedom that they would come to know your name, with, which offers the ultimate freedom and the ultimate healing. Would you, Lord, hear our prayer? calling you hear us calling Abba Father you hear us calling you hear us calling Abba Father we pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County we're gonna send extend it also to Noonan as they face destruction after after the tornado God, would you be with the families who have lost everything due to weather? God, we pray that you would provide the right organizations, the right people, the right churches to surround those families, surround the city, that as they begin to rebuild their lives, would you provide support for the trauma? God, would you be place your people who are willing to be your hands and your feet and give them the necessities to survive, to rebuild, and to then thrive. We pray for the continued destruction and ramifications of the shootings that took place just a couple weeks ago. God, as the families mourn and grieve, would you be near to them, provide comfort, provide comfort to those in the surrounding areas who have a new sense of fear or loss, grieving the ways that they've impacted the community. We continue to pray for comfort for all families involved, of the shooter and the victim. I thank you that you know our needs, that you know our wants, that you know the darkest thoughts and the darkest parts of our hearts, and you promise to be faithful and sovereign and be with us in the middle of it. So would you show up radically and be with them in the middle, in the thick of the darkness, would you show up? Lord, hear our prayer. specifically for the Whip family as they've just lost their mother. God, we want to say thank you for the testimony of her life, her readiness to be with you, for the way that she loved you and the testimony that she has left. And I pray for the grief, the overwhelming grief and loss that happens when we lose a loved one. Would you surround their home with your peace and your presence? And would we enter into that space of mourning? And would we mourn with those who are mourning? God, would you be Emmanuel? 
Thomas as he recovers getting out of the hospital. Pray that you would help his potassium levels to continue to stay even, that he would not have to return to the hospital. May he know that we love him, that we are thinking of him, that you are thinking of him. Meet every one of his needs, physical, medical, emotional, spiritual. We pray for Carrie Tucker as her mom is in the hospital after having a heart attack and just the stress and the hardship of not being able to be with her. God, would you be with the Tuckers as they sit in the kitchen of the new life of a baby and yet being apart from her mother. God, would you hold them in this season and would you send your healing presence to her mom's room that her body would fully recover and know no remnants of a heart attack be present. Heal her body, comfort her body, strengthen her body as you've designed it. And we continue to pray for the bogs. God, you know exactly what they need and you know when they need it. We thank you for what you've already done in Aaron and in their family and we pray for more of that. We pray for an increase of that. We thank you for the way that you are sustaining and you are providing and we thank you that we can count on you to continue to do that. And for those who are suffering in silence and loneliness in their homes and their workplaces, God, I pray that you, they would know that you are, they're on your heart, that they are in the palm of your hand. May we be a community of people that loves our people well and that the world around us would know you by the way we love one another. Lord, hear our prayer. You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba Father. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. So I want to start today, well, I just want to give you an update. Last week, Dr. Johns, Dr. Cheryl Johns, a friend of mine was going to be here. She couldn't be here last minute. She's coming on the 18th, so mark your calendars for that. Um, she's one of the strongest influences in my life, for sure, and so I think it'll be worth being here. And then again this week, I, I'll also attest when I was setting up my station, I told Becca I was walking through with just setting it up and I started to cry. And, and I'm not necessarily a crier, but I started to get a sense of the heaviness of um, the heart of God and the way that he approaches even the cross through Palm Sunday and the humility in which he embodied that I believe he's inviting the Christian community into. I don't get a sense he's asking us to dominate anyone. I never have. I've never really wanted to follow that version of Jesus that dominated and demanded. But I fell in love with a Jesus that was kind and knew the depths of who I was. And when that became real to me, 
I was willing to say yes to whatever. But I didn't enjoy being dominated. So I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy sitting in rooms or being convinced that if I did these things, then it'll be all right. And, and so I get the sense that in this prayer week, the humble spirit of God in Christ is going to be with us. And hopefully in ways that will save us in ways we don't know we need to be saved, which is what happens during this week. It's as if he says, I'm gonna save you, but you have no idea how and why and what from and from who. And so there's a little bit of curiosity, confusion. If you feel discombobulated, you're in the middle of the story of the passion. Because if you've got it all figured out, you probably don't have it all figured out. That's the story of Jesus. And so today I wanna jump back in to what we've been walking through. We're gonna take a break from Ephesians for a couple weeks. I've loved jumping into Ephesians. It's how we got the idea for the year equipping the saints. And this idea for equipping the saints came out of this heart that I had last year when the pandemic started that I I had this sense that God was inviting me into a deeper conversation. And the conversation for me was, if you could go back to the beginning of planting, what would you focus your energy on? And I knew instantly it would be not on building big spaces or on building a big church, but on pouring into people so that they could experience what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And the confusing part for me is I can't look around and see it in a lot of places. I see people who are good at service building. I I see people who have built ministries around giftings. I see confused Christianity that meets once a week. And so I had this kind of agreement with God. I was like, I don't necessarily even know how to do this as a pastor. I don't think a lot of people do, but I want that kind of thing. I want to step into whatever the, the blurry waters of what is it truly to follow Jesus and become a disciple of Jesus. And so he's been taking me on a journey for the past year of what it is to be with Jesus as a primary first step. What does it look like to just foster kinship with Jesus? And that has been the foundation for everything that I've done this year. I believe he's asked me to embody this and not to just dump it on a group of people. I don't want to be the pastor who has the right thing to say and is not doing it. That's not helpful for me or you or anybody. And so this idea of equipping the saints has been our desire to see all of you equipped for the work of ministry, not just on a Sunday, but in life, so that others would receive Jesus in ways that are true and real and life-changing. So I had a conversation with Craig again this week. We meet, and he always says really smart stuff, and I nod my head and try not to say dumb stuff. (laughs) I don't know if I'm successful, but we were talking about what what passes typically as you're a disciple, and some of the like quick first things are if you believe in this collection of this ten things, and you just kind of understand those, then you're, you're where you need to be. Good job. Or if you believe or understand and know how you're gifted or what gift God has given you, then you're, you're good. No, no fruit necessary. You got a gift, let's display it. Which I think is one of the flaws of the Western church is we notice a gift and we put that person in front of people and then that never ends well. Because we, we like to value the gift, but we don't like to value things like process and growth. And what does it look like for me to actually start to grow to start to be able to cry, to start to be in touch with what's inside. And that takes time. So it's a journey. And so today is Palm Sunday. 
And before we start, what we typically know as Palm Sunday are kids walking around, which is beautiful and awkward. And I already know my son was walking around like, this is my last one. (laughs) I was like, we'll film it anyway. (laughs) Don't make eye contact with daddy. You got one more in you, buddy, next year? Maybe. Okay. All right. So this picture we paint isn't horrible because Jesus is coming and Easter's next week, but it's not complete. And it's especially not complete to a whole culture that doesn't know how to deal with pain, loss, suffering, grief, all of these hard things. So this narrative is actually about the the whole of the passion story. And this day is an invitation into the parts of it we don't want to look at. This is the day where Jesus shows up in the wrong way. We sing Hosanna because people are shouting it on streets, but these people are clueless. They don't know even what they're shouting. They're saying, you're one who's coming in the name. They don't even know who he is, but he might be like David and he might save us all and he might reform the military and he might bring this monarchy to where it needs to be. This might happen. He's not doing any of it. So when we we see our kids walking around, we see it from the post-Easter perspective, and yes and amen, that's good. But there are parts of this whole narrative that if we don't understand, it's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus, to have the mind of Christ, to understand what suffering looks like, to not get our way. Good Lord, God, don't give us our way. Most of the time, all of the time. There's not a person in this story other than Jesus that had the right narrative. Not one, even the disciples, which you'll hear. And so today is a day we're going to read Mark 11, 1 through 11. You can pull that up. Take a deep breath in and then out. Repeat, in and then out. Let's read this um, text from one of the Gospels. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. We are good with that part. As Western Korea, you got I'm claiming whatever you got. There was one time, can I just, uh, (laughs) we one time let this church, when I was a youth pastor, borrow our church for an event, and we heard them walking around claiming the church for their church. And I was like, I was like, pastor, maybe we should talk to them before they come back. We're good with this part. Yes and amen. The Lord has need of it, (laughs) and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied to a door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, like he said, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said, and they let them go. What? And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they cut from fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Notice they didn't say blessed is the Lord. They did not know. Blessed is he who comes, who the coming kingdom, our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. He was like, what's up, everybody? And then he had looked around at everything. And as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Let's pray. Father, you're just uh, so good and so loving that it confuses what we see about love. So today, go to the deeper parts of our loves. Go to the parts of our loves that we don't like to look at, the kind that confront us, the kind that challenge us, the kind that don't revolve around us being the center of the narrative. But also, let us feel that kind of wooing that the disciples must have felt, knowing this is about to get crazy, but where will we go? Help us to get that sense amongst us so that we would say yes to you wherever you may lead. Because we're not going to understand, but you do. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm just going to share for a few moments, and we're going to end today with kind of an assembly. Don't, I don't like attaching the word assembly line to the Eucharist. That didn't feel right. Right when I said it, I was like, I'm going to back up. But we're going to have a way to kind of travel through this and then uh, present some things. We're going to have some space at the end, so be at peace until then. But I want to paint a picture of what's happening here and share what I think to be the story for us through this. As a preacher, one of the things I feel God is calling me to do is to not just read a text to you, but to discern what that is meant for our body, what that is meant for the living spirit to work amongst us for this time, for this place. And so as I read this, I'm thinking in that way, and I sense what he's saying to us. And I hope you feel an invitation from him through this, because I think that's his goal. It's not just to kind of fortify your understanding of Palm Sunday so that you can head into Easter correctly, but I believe he is inviting. And I believe it's the kind of invite that is life-altering, but that we wouldn't choose. So we need the Spirit of God to lead us into it. Into the deeper places, only the Spirit can lead us there. That's a truth that I believe God is allowing me to walk in post-pandemic, mid-pandemic. But. So the walk from Jericho to Jerusalem. Here's a couple things I want you to know. Jericho is the lowest city in the world, 800 feet below sea level. And Jerusalem is 3,000 feet above. And so this journey that they travel on is one that would have been difficult. The first part desert into maybe some wilderness, and then they come up on the Mount of Olives. And as they get to the Mount of Olives, they can see for the first time Jerusalem, which for them in this walk would have been breathtaking for a lot of different reasons. One, just the journey and the site, but also the history for which the mountain meant for them and what they sensed was happening because this community was actually walking with Jesus. So all of these layers are happening. People are converging on the city. 50,000, usually now 200,000, all piling into this city, walking up on this first lush ground, this Mount of Olives that has so much history, so much meaning. They see the city, they're standing with Jesus, they're sensing it. It's about to get real. This is about to happen. This is probably the Messiah. <laughs> and I would say probably because I don't get that they still know it. I mean, he's already told them three times what he's about to do, literally with the words of what he's about to do. But each time they're like, wait, what? 
Their framework is so the wrong questions that when the actual answer comes, it doesn't make sense. The answer is the answer. He tells them, here's what's coming three times, no clue. We sometimes have the wrong frameworks asking the wrong questions so that when the truth comes, it doesn't make sense because we don't have the right structure to embody the truth. That's what he's telling them here. You still think you're being saved from an enemy. I'm saving you from yourselves. A Christianity that has an enemy as a primary point is not one that can stand. That's just a stronger version of what they already had. A Christianity that has no enemy, that's the one that Jesus embodies. I'm telling you right now, when a believer steps into that, things get turned. When a believer steps into that, did you like my, was it, is it still accurate or no? Am I about five years beyond? What's the new one? Maybe 10 years? Okay, it's cool. All right. So also though, so think of this convergence. They're coming into the city. People are starting to notice. There's another, there's another approach to the city from the Roman emperor, the Roman governor. He's approaching at a similar time, but he's approaching differently. He's approaching from the West and his approach looks different. It's vast. It's strong. There are legions with him. He is demanding allegiance and producing fear through everyone he passes through to say, you will do what I'm about to ask of you or I will kill you. So these two convergence, this is, this is a convergence of these two kind of big entries happening all at once. And so the city of Jerusalem is trying to make sense of this. You have this one who is the Messiah, hopefully, coming in confusingly. It's actually almost carnival-esque, the way that Jesus enters, on a colt or a donkey. Someone would ride a colt in, in this kind of scenario to show that they come in peace. We talk about that all the time. Every year in Palm Sunday, I talk about it. He, he rides on it. You know, there's so many different variations of the donkey, all of it. Like The whole message can be about the donkey. He's riding in on peace and he's producing what seems to be like theater. This is the first time Jesus goes from saying, keep this, keep this a secret, what I'm doing. Now it's almost like on display as a public spectacle. This is not like Jesus. So why would he do this? Why would he be entering the city this way with this other group of people entering this way, confusing everyone? No one knows what's going on. Why would he be stepping into it like that? And then at the end, he, he transitions into the city. People are putting their coats down. People are screaming, Hosanna, save us, not understanding what's happening, converging on the street as he comes in. He walks into the temple. His disciples are watching what's happening. Is this where he comes out and says what he's gotta do? Is this where he takes over the throne? Is this where he overthrows? He walks into the temple and he walks back out with the disciples. And how awkward that night is. How awkward. This was the entrance and I can just imagine the sitting around and Jesus that doesn't give much of a story there, just sitting around with Jesus. When confused, when your expectations are not happening yet, but they gotta happen soon, because we're here. It's gotta happen soon. And you're just there with Jesus. And Jesus isn't doing what Jesus should be doing. What do you do when Jesus isn't doing what Jesus should be doing? That's when you're like, this doesn't all of this is weird. This is not how this story goes. He wasn't interested in just continuing what David was doing. He wasn't interested in loves that small. He wasn't interested in producing a superficial account of love that appeased a surface level desire. 
He was interested in a deeper love that would even turn the ones that loved him to that point against him. What does love look like to a person who is the center of their own story? What does love look like to a community that is the narrative? How do you love a group of people who only love themselves? The gospel of Jesus is how that happens. He loses, right? He doesn't produce what needs to be produced. What do you do when the version of God that shows up is less efficient, less muscular, less military-esque, no weapons, defenseless? Like, I can see, Jesus, how you're doing this is not gonna work. Somebody talk to Jesus. Let's do, like a, let's do a think tank with Jesus. Stop off here, I'll call Alita, we can whiteboard it. Like, Jesus, let's start back from the beginning. When you were coming in, Probably thought it was a good idea. Lots of people like donkeys. Let's think about this. On the other side of the city, they're coming in in legions. Who do you think the people are going to listen to? You on your donkey or the legions? Jesus should be smarter than this, unless he knows things that we don't. What if Jesus knows things about what we think he should be doing that we don't? (sighs) What if he knows the deeper parts of our story that we don't even know? What if what we desire him to do is wrong? Can you imagine a scenario where what we desire is wrong? That's maybe what's happening here. What do you do to love someone who's convinced on how you should love them and that it's wrong? What do you do to love someone who won't listen to love? What do you do when someone needs to be loved and how you're loving them is seen as an enemy's attack? What does the gospel do when it's attacked? I can tell you what it does not do when it's attacked. Just say it. Fight back. No, no. No, we need to make sure we fight back though because Jesus needs us to protect him. I'm still confused about apologetics and I know people in even, even our community are like, no, it's good. I, I kind of under, I don't understand it like a whole narrative of having to defend the faith. Jesus doesn't need our defense of the faith. Somebody here is like, well, sir, email, email coming today, 3.30 p.m. Just a quick note about your apologetic thoughts. Jesus doesn't need our defense. He needs us to embody what he's doing. The church, the Western church, needs to embody the gospel and not destroy the church. I don't even know what that, where that came from. Just... I digress. So I want to read you a quote from one of my favorite, uh, she's kind of a blogger, but it's about the paradoxes of this week. That, and just think about this. From the start to finish of this week, they're celebrating, they're pondering, they're washing feet, they're breaking bread, they're crying, they're angry, they're pointing fingers, they're mourning. They are in despair. They are heartbroken. They are crushed. They're celebrating. (laughs) What the? There has to be a gospel that's robust enough to embody what life actually looks like. So this gospel of Jesus can handle, it can handle things like mourning and grief, but also joy and celebration. 
The tension's not there. It's we place the tensions on it. Because that's life. That's every, every week, every day, every journey. Joy and pain. So I'm gonna read this now. These paradoxes are what gives the story its shape, its weight, its texture. Calling us at every moment to hold together truths that seem bizarre, counterintuitive, and irreconcilable. On good days, I understand that these paradoxes are precisely what grant my religion its credibility. If I live in a world that's full of pain, mystery, and contradiction, then I need a religion robust enough to bear the weight of a messy world. But the question is, will I choose the humble and real, or will I insist on the delusions of empire? Will I accompany Jesus on his ridiculous donkey, honoring the precarious path he has chosen, or will my impatience and pessimism undermine my journey? I'm just telling you that'll preach. She did good right there. You're doing good, but Debbie, we just did that together. We, I collaborate with a lot of the people I quote. We just, they don't know about it yet, but I'm, we're, we're kind of like this. So 2021, here, I'm going to wrap up with this. 2021 to me makes more sense this year in light of Palm Sunday because what I believe has happened in the last year and a half, at least for me, is the surfacing of my motives as a pastor, as someone who wants to see a church in a city, the surfacing of your motives because I talk to a lot of you and what desires are there and what you've been putting your time and energy into. I've seen really good questions about why the church exists and why it shouldn't and we shouldn't be doing this and are we doing this and are we gonna look at racism or are we gonna avoid racism? Are we gonna look at Christian depth or are we gonna avoid Christian depth? Are we gonna look at these things that really matter or are we just gonna continue on? Let's just get another Sunday going. Let's just get another devotional going. Let's just check these boxes. I get the sense that God is bringing us to a place, I know that he is because I'm talking to people about it where you can't avoid the realities of what's there. It's like, it's here now. And in this city, you can follow the emperor and build your life around fear and just settle back into your homes and act like Jesus wasn't there. Or you can step up and follow this ridiculous story that's gonna make people say that you're weak and not enough. And it's gonna bring out humility because you're gonna have to face brokenness So there's a dominant version that gives you all of your heart's desires and then there's a more submissive version that gives you the desires of the kingdom of God. Because the story is broader than you or me or our church. And if it's not, then you'll succumb to fear, you'll take the easy way out, you'll step back into the world as it reopens and act like the pandemic never happened and revealed that you're actually broken in your deepest parts, don't know how to spend time with your family or yourself, can't deal with things like silence and solitude, can't be at peace, why am I running, why am I running, where am I going, I don't wanna be with myself. You'll either jump right back into a busy schedule and build a business or build a website or you'll slow down and follow the rhythms of Jesus that are leading you to places he desires you go and you don't even know how to get to. Jesus is saving us in ways we had no idea we need to be saved. I'm not saying bless this pandemic, but I am saying the things I see surfacing in people are actually answers to prayers. They prayed for hundreds of years, save us, save us, save us, save us. And I'm, they meant that, just like you have meant it. The saving comes and it's not right. No, this ain't right. No. Go over there. No, he's like, no, this is right. (laughs) This is for sure right. This is the rightest right it's gonna get. 
because I'm not saving you from your enemy anymore. I'm saving you from you. And if I can save you from you, then you'll accept me. And then, awesome part of the story. There's, so there's people here, they're like, oh, look at the emperor. Everybody calm down, let's follow him. Then there's people like, oh, this Jesus character, he doesn't even care. He's like crazy. He's like a hippie. Just riding through the city on a donkey, no big deal. People follow him. And then there's these people that didn't even know what was going on. They start hearing about it later and they're like, wait, what? And then there are these disciples that the Sunday following are interacting with what happens and women are coming to tell them that shouldn't be telling them about the gospel. I mean, women are speaking the gospel to these men and these men are receiving it. And then there's these people in this city that start to hear about this whole week through the story of people. So now it's not, did you see all that? Did you follow Jesus? Now it's like, I was one of those people that was following him on his donkey and I was mad and then I saw this happen and then this happened and then a man showed me all these things I didn't know. And people are excited. It doesn't even matter what they're saying at this point. It's just like something's different about her and him. That is very different. I'm interested. It's the story of the gospel now through people's mouths because the church is the bride of Christ and we are our best when we trust him the most and we have to taste and see that he is good. I can't tell people about a Snickers I haven't tasted. You can't tell people about a Jesus you haven't tasted. And he's not looking to make prominent people on platforms. He's just looking for simple people that just need Jesus. It's not meant to be as hard as we make it, but it is as hard as it is. That didn't make sense. Sometimes when I'm speaking, I'm like, I feel like I'm really smart right now. And then I say a thing. I'm like, nope, still not smart. I'm still not smart. I thought that would be like a tweetable thing when I started. And I was like, nope. I was like threw three words to the end. And I was like, yeah, I should stop. And I just kept going. Anyway. So here's the, here's the moral of the story. People see and love Jesus when people who have walked through brokenness and invited him in to those places, those places, not just, hey, come to our church, everybody's happy, come and get some Jesus, celebrate, celebrate. When people are walking with people who have befriended their brokenness and tasted and seen Jesus, that's a different kind of thing. It's just different. It calms you. It settles your nerves. And when you start walking into those truly broken places, you know this has happened before. These people have tasted and seen. That's good. So I want to read you this other passage from the lectionary this week. Because I want to pray that you would have the mind of Christ. I struggle praying this because I know you have to have the heart of Christ. And I know I don't get to control how that happens for a person. But I know that that's his desire. Like I know that that's like what he would desire is that you would have the heart and mind of Christ and that you would live a life like it talks about in John 10 and that you would be at peace and that you would let yourself be led by him and that you would not fight so much about the voice of God and, and you would not allow the cynic to start to scream out loud because there's plenty of reason why we can still talk to the cynic. People have done this wrong for a while. We've seen churches do things wrong for a while, but there's something beautiful about the voice of this shepherd leading us into places of peace and rest. Not just dominance and calling. Calling doesn't come first. Being at peace with a savior 
who is trying to show you who he is, who you are, so much more important. Actually, I'm going to repent for the church for a moment. Other churches, because we haven't, I don't think we've sinned yet. (laughs) We've sinned, for sure. I want to repent for the ways in which when you've walked into a facility, a church, even this one, and felt like if you could just highlight how God's gifted you, that that would be enough. I want to repent from that, and then I also want to ask God, I want to ask God to just remove that thing from us that says, this is just about me finding out how I'm called and de-gifted. And then I want to ask that he would lead us into what it looks like to have a Jesus walk by and say, hey, Nathaniel, you want to come with me? What? You Come with me. And what it looks like for three years to just walk around with him. And notice his cadence and the way that he talks. Notice how he bends over to drink water from either a cup or a river, because I'm not sure what he would do. What it looks like for him to sit after a long walk. What it looks like when he notices that you're weary from your walk. What it looks like to not have demands on you other than follow me. Watch how I do things. Take my yoke upon you. Let's just put the idea of cranking it out for Jesus over here. Most of us aren't ready to do that. Most of us just need to sit next to a river and weep for a day. Most of us need to allow that brokenness to surface, quit running from it. Like in the desert, we talked about, as Jesus headed into the desert, what wild beasts are waiting on us in the desert that we've been running from for years? What wild beasts in our own life have we been hiding from that Jesus wants to meet us in so that he can bring healing? This is what the gospel looks like. It's not quick. It doesn't happen like that. You can't get it at a conference. You can get some stuff at a conference. You're not getting the gospel in a weekend, right? It's a journey, a walk. It's, It's a literal walk. They walked. That's the invitation this week as we step into this week. Allow yourself to feel what you're feeling in this season. Please look at me. I'm going to close soon. Allow yourself to feel what you're actually feeling in this season. And sit with Jesus outside the temple trying to figure out what he's doing like they did. Just be at peace and wait with him. And then see what he does. See what surfaces. Will your disbelief surface because of the Jesus you thought he was? Man, I could re-preach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue. Sarah's like, just go ahead and wrap it up. Just put a bow on it. No bows today. Palm Sunday doesn't have a bow. It has a bowed knee. No, no I'll just stop. I'll stop there. Okay. So if you guys want to come up, I'm going to read you this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the, of God the Father. So Jesus, I pray for each person in this space that there would be renewal, that there would be submission 
to the real version of you that sees the deeper needs, that's not demanding and dominating, that's not using fear to make us fall in line, but that's inviting in strange ways we couldn't have seen. Could this actually be Jesus inviting me this way? And allow us, God, to be fitted for this life. Allow us to be fitted by what you've done. If you feel crushed, offended, or disappointed, Jesus is near. 100%. If you've been praying, save me from something. Save me, save me, save me, save me. Jesus is answering. We invite you this week to have your way, God. Crush our certainties. Open our hearts. Heal us in ways we didn't know we needed to be healed. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Renew right spirits in us. God, take not your Holy Spirit from us. Thank you that you're a loving shepherd. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.